0: Getty Show, welcome, hope you're doing good, happy Halloween, those of you who will be celebrating on one level or another, whether it's uh, trotting your little youngsters around to visit the neighbors and get some candy and remember to say please and thank you and that sort of thing, if you are a more adult type, uh, you join me in wishing Halloween were on a Saturday so you could really get it on tonight and dress all nasty or whatever you want to do. And for all of us, remember, the little kids are going to be running around. So drive really carefully, particularly at dusk. Would you please? Thank you. So it's a shame Jack isn't here today for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a fine fella, and he helps make the show move. Um, Number two, because he's been talking about this very question, is President Trump better off losing the House in terms of getting reelected in 2020? Now, on one level, I find looking ahead to the next election, and, and and strategizing what would be best for the next election through this election it's to be somewhat repugnant. I'm much more into governance than politics. On the other hand, it is a heck of an interesting question historically. And we've asked Barry Bennett to join us. Barry is the founder of Avenue Strategies, a political strategy firm. He has uh, been helping out a number of folks in campaigns through the years from uh, Ben Carson for president and, and uh, House members and, and all sorts of good stuff. Uh, he's also spent some quality time in Sea Island, Georgia, for the G8 Summit, and Sea Island, Georgia is gorgeous. Hello, Barry. How are you? I'm doing great. How about you? Good. I'd like to be playing golf in Sea Island right now. Would you like to convene at the airport and head out?
1: <laughs> this is uh, my perfect trick-or-treat.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So, <laughs> hey, listen, uh, uh, my partner Jack has been positing lately that the the midterm elections are really a vent for the party out of power. And if they vent and win something, that helps the party in power hold on to the White House next time around. Do you think that makes sense?
1: Yeah, I mean, politics is not horribly unlike the stock market. It often overcorrects, right? I mean, so if if the Democrats do take the House, and uh, I think it would be by a relatively small majority, a handful, uh, which gives uh, power to the craziest member of the caucus that they have to keep in mind. Um, then they'll do crazy things, and uh, they'll overplay their hand, and that'll help Donald Trump win uh, re-election in 2020.
0: What do you mean when you say it gives power to the craziest member of the caucus?
1: Well, I mean, if you have to have every vote on every bill, pretty soon they start saying, okay, but you've got to vote on my bill to, you know, give Martians the right to vote. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, and so they get a vote because uh, they have no choice. Uh, and if they, have a, if they have a majority by four or five people, um, you know, I don't even know who the speaker will going to be because 30 people are running saying that they wouldn't vote for Nancy Pelosi. So, you know, I mean, Maxine Waters has got a good chance to be speaker if Republicans would vote for her. Um, so it, it's going to be crazy. Nothing will get done in Washington. The Senate will be of a different party. Uh, nothing will get done except a lot of screaming and shouting and name-calling and, you know, holding people in contempt and all this kind of stuff. And that, I don't think that's what America is looking for. Um, so, it, you know, in my business it'll be fun to watch, a horrible to live through, but fun to watch.
0: <laughs> I heard that. So, hey, just a quick note on Nancy Pelosi, um, who who can, and this is going to be verbally abusive, and I apologize in advance, but uh, mm-hmm. she can come off as a doddering old bag sometimes, and she is really getting pretty old. On the other hand, now, she is a only
1: when she's awake.
0: Yeah. She is a savage and brutal political animal and she will not give up the speakership easily and she will be a terrible adversary for anybody who goes up against her, won't she?
1: Yeah, but I mean the, the interesting thing is if there are thirty people out there who said they won't vote for her if they get elected, what she's counting on is that their very first action as a member of Congress is to go back on their promise. Um so, welcome to Washington. And will they? Uh, if they do, they won't get reelected. But you know, she's very powerful.
0: Yeah, yeah, no kidding. So, uh, what's the likelihood that the Dems take the House and they uh, vote impeachment, vote for impeachment?
1: Well, I, I don't think they can stop themselves, right? They, they're they're the left, all the energy is at the very left edge of the party, so they'll be forcing them to do it. Now that the Senate's not going to do anything with it, so it's just kind of a bunch of wasted energy. But uh, they'll do it. They'll overplay their hands. They'll piss off huge portions of America. uh, And they may never be a governing party again as we know them.
0: Yeah, interesting. Well, that's a hell of a prediction. I guess we'll wait and see. Barry Bennett's on the line, founder of Avenue Strategies, a political strategy firm. So listen, the history of midterm elections, especially in the last 30, 40 years, is, is very, very clear. The party in power gets their butts kicked. Uh, it's, you know, it's funny, I get it on one level, but it's kind of irrational on another that we wouldn't give a full four years to a bunch to see what they can get done to enact their policies and see how the country looks after that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, this this cycle is strange for a lot of reasons. One, because, you know, everything we thought we knew about politics pre-Trump turned out to be untrue. But, you know, the economy is doing so well, Um maybe california is the exception uh, you know if you guys want some gas we'll ship you some black market gas yes, please. lower tax rates uh, but, uh um the jobs reports even the job report today some thousand new, new jobs according to a uh, private sector group for the month uh things are going remarkably well historically low unemployment in the african-american community in the hispanic community uh, you know, places like Ohio, where we're seeing, you know, unemployment below 3%, crazy good numbers.
0: That's astonishing um, for Ohio.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is, a, this is a, you know, I'm from Ohio, and, you know, we were called the Rust Belt. And uh, now, you know, if you want a job, you know, if you're in California and you need a job, get in your car and drive to Ohio for hiring. So, so, Barry,
0: why isn't the great economic situation right now a bigger mover in this election?
1: Well, you know, I, or or will I mean, it be? Well, I think it will be, uh, but there's a problem with our polling right now. We we don't fully understand exactly how to measure the electorate, like as, but as well as we think we do. I mean, if you look at the CNN poll going into two sixteen uh, the twenty sixteen, rather before Trump got elected, uh CNN had his approval at thirty six. Well, today they have it at forty six. And they think that we're going to do worse. I don't, I don't quite understand that logic. Um, so we're going to see. I mean, I don't know why all the Senate races are trending Republican. I mean, we've, we've seen we're going ahead now in Indiana and in Montana. New Jersey is, you know, suddenly on fire where the Republican candidate just put another $3.5 million in the race uh, today. Uh, we've seen Ohio. Yesterday it was a poll in Ohio where uh, the Republican is now within the margin of error of Sherrod Brown. John James in, in Michigan has, has moved within the margin of error uh, against Debbie Stabenow. Uh, so all those races are trending Republican, but we're supposed to believe somehow that the House races are trending Democrat. That's kind of counterintuitive. Um, but we're going to see whether or not, you know, they fix, the polling was certainly broken in 2016. And we're going to find out if they fixed it in 20, for 2018. My gut tells me they probably did not
0: interesting yeah it'll be an exciting night uh, election night to see how the house goes um oh i had a question just flit out of my head hey uh how how important is or why is negative campaigning effective why do so many candidates go negative uh
1: i think it's it's lack of uh uh of uh understanding, lack of the ability to actually understand that you can lead people with a, with a message instead of just trying to tear down your opponent. I mean, I think any candidate out there today who just stares to the camera and tells the voters why they're angry and what they're going to do about it would win. Uh, but politicians are led by a bunch of consultants who haven't learned that lesson yet. Um, so my advice to the candidates that I talk to is show them your heart, show them your anger, and show them your plan, and you'll win. That's what they're looking for.
0: Wow, interesting. Uh,
1: But I don't don't care if your opponent didn't pay his taxes 30 years ago. I really don't.
0: And I don't think the voters do either. Um, Barry Bennett, founder of Avenue Strategies, political strategy firm. Uh, Barry, really, really good analysis, really interesting stuff. I hope we can talk again.
1: Yeah, I'd love to. All
0: right, well done. Thank you. I think he absolutely nailed it on that last point. It's going to be a long time until the conventional wisdom is is eroded uh, to the point that you know it it changes. But I think he's absolutely right. And and who among us can't relate to having your mailbox slammed and your ears tattooed and your eyes you know glazed over. With negative campaign ads. Man, I'm watching ads against people I know who are thoroughly decent human beings. Portrayed as as vampires, grave robbers, and and child rapists. And I just... uh, Does anybody hear those and think, wow, damn. A vampire among us. I mean, does anybody take that stuff seriously? Maybe like first-time voters? I don't know. A gold star for Barry. I thought that was really good, candid stuff. I know he tends to work for Republicans, but I just thought that was some really good insight he offered up. The Democrats impeach Trump. And as Barry pointed out, it will go nowhere in the Senate. Nowhere. Unless he does something truly Looney Tunes or they find another Obama, uh, Trump gets reelected. Practically a guarantee. I would bet heavily on that proposition. So, again, the other quote of the day from Barry Bennett was, it'll be great to watch, terrible to live through. (laughs) It's the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The conscience of the nation. Armstrong and Getty Show, welcome. Jack is sick. He has an upper respiratory infection. Of course, I violated HIPAA, haven't I? Whoops. I has got a cold or flu or something. The Chinese People's Liberation Army is expanding its research collaboration with universities outside of China. China. That's right, Mr. President. Since 2000, the PLA has sponsored more than 2,500 military scientists and engineers to study abroad and has developed relationships with researchers and institutions across the globe. They get into this, um, the Australia Strategic Policy Institute, in an incredibly long paper on Chinese spying under the auspices of academics and it's really quite interesting. We'll post it at uh, armstrongandgetty.com. It, it's a beast, man. <laughs> I mean, you, you scan it and get the idea, unless you're super into this like I am. Um, but I've been trying to tell you for years and years that China is spying aggressively, and they uh, there are so many Chinese quote-unquote academics who are spies for the government in our universities. It's ridiculous. I have that on very good authority from counterintelligence uh, 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 authorities. And uh, I told the story before of when the FBI went to alert a certain university president about the presence of Chinese spies on his campus masquerading as researchers. They were told, and I quote, get off my campus, you racists. Which just goes to show you how ideology and desperation to come off as enlightened can make you into a stupid person. And vulnerable. But it's it's really good. It's a really good piece, and it's interesting. The Aussies are, are really, really good friends to America. I have that from a highly placed military source, in case you're not aware of it. And they do some really, really good work in intelligence, and they are a critical component of uh, keeping China from running roughshod over the globe, because they're neighbors, more or less. Uh, On to something completely different. <clears throat> There is a plot afoot to falsely accuse Robert Mueller of sexual misconduct, allegedly. The the problem with this entire story, and I'll tell you right now, because you're going to try to figure out, okay, am I enthusiastic about this or am I critical of this? Um, Because, you know, we all have our ideologies and everybody's whipped up at this point. But I will tell you, this is so full of, wait a minute, what? Is that real? That I mean, it's like a, a, a triple reverse Apparently there are. Apparently, I miss that kid. Little, I don't watch the news. Kid, obviously watches the news all the time. So is I don't watch the news. In is in itself fake news. What an emblem of our time that little boy is. Where was I? Ah, yes. Um, on Tuesday,
1: don't watch the news,
0: or do you, son? On Tuesday, spokesperson for special counsel Robert Mueller told reporters that Mueller's office had informed the FBI of an alleged plot to frame Mueller for sexual assault. <clears throat> I'm quoting now the spokes uh, hole for Robert Mueller. Quote, When we learned last week of allegations that women were offered money to make false claims about the special counsel, we immediately referred the matter to the FBI for investigation. That's Peter Carr, the spokesperson. Carr's statement unleashed a torrent of reporting about an extremely confusing plot linked to two prominent right-wing operatives, Jack Berkman and Jacob Wohl. Wohl. For a number of political reporters, this story began a couple of weeks ago when they received an email from a woman identifying herself as Lorraine Parsons. (coughs) Ms. Parsons, and and that is thought to be a, uh, a false name, alleged that she had received a phone call from a man who claimed to work for Jack Berkman. This man, according to the email, offered to pay off her $34,000 credit card debt and give her an additional twenty gur in exchange for, quote, making accusations of sexual misconduct and workplace harassment against Robert Mueller and signing a sworn affidavit to that effect. Parsons' name apparently came to the attention of these uh, political operatives who are sometimes referred to, uh, if the kids are listening, perhaps uh, turn down the radio for... Five seconds. They're often referred to as rat efforts. That's your political dirty tricks, guys. Rat efforts. And in fact, <laughs> do we have that clip of, of Ted Cruz making reference to rat molesters, if you will, during the campaign? <laughs> Ted, hilariously jivey as always. But we'll see if we can come up with that. L- give me a signal if we haven't. Anyway, um, let's see. So they came up with her name because she allegedly worked with Mueller at a law firm in the 1970s do you have to say allegedly worked at a law firm? This is not a crime. Um, You can read the full email uh, down below. Here's what she wrote. And I tell you what, I stand ready to believe this or find out it's completely false and it's a plot by left-wingers to make right-wingers look like they're trying to slander left-wingers. I don't know what to believe anymore, honestly. I will tell you this. As a... Long-time student of this sort of thing, and, and if you if you want to get hip to it, read Hunter Thompson's uh, fabulous Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail, 1972. A lot of the names are no longer on the scene, but the techniques uh, endure. Uh, I do not find it in the least bit unbelievable that people would pay off women, see if this rings a bell, pay off women to make unfounded allegations against public figures uh, for political purposes. Judge <coughs> Kavanaugh. <coughs> anyway. Uh, here's what this, uh, this mystery lady wrote, and this is a crazy small font, but luckily, I have the eyes of a 17-year-old boy. <laughs> My name is blank. I was contacted via phone by a man named Bill who had a British accent, Hello, and said he would like to ask me a couple of questions about Robert Mueller, who, with whom I worked while I was a paralegal at Pillsbury Medicine and whatever in 1974. I asked him who he was working for, and he told me his boss was some sort of politics guy in Washington named Jack Berkman or Berkman, not sure how it's spelled. Not sure how he knew that I ever worked there or worked with Robert Mueller. I reluctantly told Mr. Blankety Blank that I had only worked with Mr. Mueller for a short period of time before leaving that firm to have my first son. Mr. Blankety then changed his tone and mentioned that he might be able to help me pay off some debt. You knew exactly how much credit card debt I had, right down to the dollar, which sort of freaked me out. My late husband was quite a big spender, and we'd run up about 34000 bucks on our credit cards. I asked him why exactly would he do something like that. He said it's not that simple. He wanted to come meet with me at my home. I'll skip ahead because we're short on time. I told him I wasn't interested in whatever. I hung up the phone, and I didn't think about it anymore. Two days later... Bill called again. And what Bill said on that second call will shock you to your core.
2: But we don't have time for it. So we'll do it after the commercials and before the news with Marshall Phillips, who has our headlines. Trump gearing up for an eight-state rally blitz and billions in state medical payments may have been for bogus claims. That second phone call. Oh,
0: terrifying on this Halloween. Stay with us.
2: The Donald unstrung- Trump oh, may be a is... rat, but I have no desire to copulate <laughs> him. <laughs> All right.
0: Let's see, where were we? The uh, second phone call? Oh, oh yeah, now yeah, I, I remember. Right. So this alleged <coughs> plot to frame Mueller. <coughs> excuse me. Or the plot to frame those who are framing Mueller. Yes. Or Or an effort to frame those people. I don't know. Here's what the gal says. Okay. So she got a phone call from some guy who claimed to be a political operative who worked for another political operative named Berkman. Who's a uh, Republican. An alleged uh, fornicator with rats.
2: Donald Trump may be a rat, but I have no desire to copulate with him.
0: You know, that was a great line in Princeton debate there, Ted. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Two days later, Bill called again. He told me, I'm just going to cut straight to the chase. He then offered to pay off all my credit cards, plus bring me a check for twenty grand if I would do one thing. In more of an effort to get him to go away than anything else, I asked him what the hell he wanted me to do. That's a quote. Said he would not talk about it on the phone. He asked me to download an app on my phone called Signal, which he said was more secure. She did that. Called me on the app a few minutes later, he said, and I will never forget exactly what it was. Quote, I want you to make accusations of sexual misconduct and workplace harassment against Robert Mueller, and I want you to sign a sworn affidavit to that effect. He said he could arrange an additional $10,000 bonus from his client, who he said was a man named Jack Berkman, if I could sign the documents immediately. I don't know who these people are or why they want this stuff. I immediately hung up the phone and deleted that app. I didn't see Robert Mueller very much when I was at that company, but when I did see him, he was very polite to me. Never inappropriate. I don't want to know what these people are looking for, but I'm not going to be part of some Washington, D.C. drama for any price. Well, number one, if this is all legit, good for you, ma'am. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Yeah, good for you. I find it weird that the guy would readily give his boss's name repeatedly. Yeah. Um, That's an odd detail. There's more to this. It's a real whodunit, and we'll get into it uh, after the news, which brought to us by Marshall phillips
2: well not letting up president trump is insisting that birthright citizenship will be ended he was tweeting a few hours ago so-called birthright citizenship which costs our country billions of dollars and is very unfair to our citizens will be ended one way or the other it is not covered by the 14th amendment because of the words subject to the jurisdiction thereof yeah which is a, a phrase worth exploring the birthplace, the
0: tour, birth tourism type baby the anchor baby right, right. Uh, has been permitted for quite a while and so you're gonna have to come up with some good strong reasoning not to do it anymore but this question is not uh, fully answered
2: and trump going on in a second tweet to say harry reed was right in 1993 before he and the democrats went insane and started with the open borders which brings massive crime stuff don't forget the nasty term anchor babies i will keep your country safe this case will be settled by the united states supreme court end of trump tweet can you can you read the uh, the part about the uh, um the the crime stuff again harry Reid was right in 1993 before he and the democrats went insane and started with the open borders in parentheses which brings massive crime Stuff. It's not exactly uh, Jeffersonian in its mm, eloqu- no. and
0: eloquence when in the course of human events, et cetera, et right. cetera. No, okay.
2: Well, a hard line on illegal immigration, a theme that Trump is expected to return to over and over again leading up to the midterms. He has got 11 rallies in six days scheduled starting tonight in Florida. That would be really tiring, but it did occur to me he is helicoptered
0: to a tarmac, right, where he walks onto a gigantic luxury plane with all the comforts of home and then is whisked to... I mean, it's
2: not like when you or I travel. Right. But he's good at it. The California Department of Health Care Services is being accused of paying billions of dollars in questionable claims for Medi-Cal. According to the state auditor, the latest review found the state paid at least $4 billion for people who may have been ineligible oh, you're for kidding. Medi-Cal. I'm shocked. Meanwhile, others who may have been eligible for coverage were denied service because of other discrepancies. More than 13 million Californians are enrolled currently in Medi-Cal. And soon,
0: that's the treatment we can all expect through government medicine.
2: Turns out the makers of, and I'm sure Positive Sean knows about this, the makers of Red Dead Redemption Two are boasting their video game had the single biggest opening weekend in the history of entertainment. The sequel to the popular game brought in seven hundred and twenty-five million dollars in the first three days of sales. It's amazing. It's a it's a big one. It's great. Uh,
3: it's. Anybody who pays attention to the awards that video game gets, this one's going to get a bunch of them. And it, what's the name again? Red Dead Redemption okay. Two. Yeah. This is of the sort of video is game it anti-communist because I can get so,
0: I can get behind that.
3: No, it's a western. You spend a lot of your time caring for and riding your horse around from town to town, yeah, wrangling a also. Uh,
0: I'm firmly in favor of uh, good horse care.
3: Uh, and this is very much in the genre of you are essentially playing an interactive movie. Right. It's right. It's, it's a beautifully told story, and the graphics are right. beautiful. And I'm afraid there might be gunplay
0: in this. There is. is there gunplay? Oh lord!
3: Was
2: oh, that the one you were previewing the other day when I was looking over yeah. your shoulder? Oh, yeah. okay, that yeah. that did that
0: was amazing.
3: Are there
2: petticoat wearing frontier
3: hoes? I haven't made it to that part in the game yet. Oh. so I'll, I'll keep you posted. <laughs>
2: wow, yeah. still it, an adolescent, eh? Hasn't got to the hoe village. Is that your are news? there? <laughs> are they
0: drunks? Uh, drunks in saloons? Uh, yeah, there's saloons about. Yeah, yeah. You know what'd be funny is, you know, if you could go into a saloon in the game and feel free to steal us video game makers uh, just send me a check now and again you could go into the game yeah. and take some shots of whiskey and it would benefit you in the game maybe make you forget your problems and but you'd be a little woozy and if something went down you'd be a little slower a little more quick to anger it would just change the parameters of the game until you sobered up again
3: there have been similar things where in order to heal up, you take pain pills, but then your reaction time is slower okay, stuff like that. Okay,
0: so yeah, yeah, I've come yeah. up with nothing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not surprising. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips here. I'm Getty Show, the conscience of the nation.
0: Now,
1: <clears throat>
0: wow, I'm squawky. Sorry you've disturbed your rest. Uh, before we, uh, give it just a second, Michael, before we get back into the business of the day, and I want to follow this Robert Mueller sexual misconduct plot thing. A little bit further, because it's really interesting. But I'm looking at the most popular Halloween candies in every state. And uh, I noticed that uh, Alaska is one of the few that their very favorite candy is Twix, which is a fine candy. Their second favorite is Blow Pops, which I believe are lollipops infused with cocaine. <laughs> yeah. is that, do I have that correct? <laughs> no, we're, those we're are lollipops that. with a uh, in it. We're I checking so, that. Yeah. Uh, Snickers in Arizona. Second favorite, Hot Tamales. Now, is that a Hispanic thing? I don't know. Because Arkansas' favorite candy is the Jolly Rancher. Oh, I love the Jolly Rancher. It's a fine candy. Mm, yes, it is. They got hot tamales in second. Butterfinger, third. That's a fine candy. Although, between Jolly Rancher's hot tamales and Butterfinger, as a guy who's had a lot of dental work, I mean, you could pull your teeth straight out of your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm I'm guessing a lot of dentists live in that state. <laughs> Colorado likes the Twix as well. Yeah. Now, here's a strange, as Paul Harvey used to say, mm. the genius Paul Harvey, the favorite candy in Connecticut is the Almond Joy, which is coconut and almonds. That is, that's a rich guy candy, isn't it? My mom was into it, and we were certainly not rich, but she was, oh, you it was know, a treat. was, is very bright. Yes, it was and, probably and, a and, treat. And, and, and somewhat sophisticated in some ways. Uh-huh. Now, the Almond Joy is a sophisticated candy, Connecticut. Then Milky Way, which is a bastard candy, and M&M's. Milky, there's just nothing to Milky Way. Nougat? What is nougat?
3: Yeah, way too much nougat. It's it's an overboard nougat candy bar.
0: Delaware, number one favorite candy. Everyone, evidently, Delaware's median age is 78. Favorite <laughs> candy is Lifesavers. Oh, my oh, goodness. Geez. Yeah. <laughs> Second place, candy corn. That's amazing. How about the land of face eat in Florida? They like the Snickers bar. The Snickers is a great bar. Then skillets and uh, Reese's Cups. I I find nothing to fault there. And I will mention one more. The Jolly Rancher, very popular in Georgia. Second place. And I said to Judy just the other day, we were at our favorite biscuits and gravy place. I told her I will love this candy till the day I die. On my deathbed, I hope I have one in my mouth. The Swedish Fish. Oh, any Swedish fish fans in the house? That is a very oh, slipped-on candy. It's a yeah. fine candy. Yeah, a fine, long-lasting, subtly flavored, and fish-shaped.
2: And you know, I believe they offer Swedish fish in our convenience store down the hall. We have Swedish fish? I think so.
0: Well, if I was a child, I'd go get some, but it is a candy. <laughs> and I don't eat a lot of candy. <laughs> Anything else interesting? Now, yeah, maybe we'll revisit this later, a little bit later on. And <laughs> mock the various inbred weirdos of various U.S. states. More on the plot to frame up Robert Robert Mueller, or is it a plot to frame up those who would frame up the frame up of red? Stay tuned, Armstrong and Getty. In fact, in my mind, I heard the music from The Shining. Or
2: not The Shining, from Psycho. (laughs) In the shower scene. Red Robin. Oops, wrong movie. That's The Shining again
1: and Getty. The conscience of the the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
2: Welcome.
0: Jack has... A microbe in him. He's sick. We hope he will be back soon. So, now to wrap up. The story about sexual harassment allegations against Robert Mueller. You got this woman, (coughs) Lorraine... What's her name? I had it right in front of me. Lorraine something or other. Who is emailing political reporters... Saying that she got an offer from a man who claimed to work for Jack Berkman, who's a right-wing agitator, which I am too to some extent. Although I'm I'm that weird brand of, you know, libertarian type. Uh, I'm in fact I'm wearing a State of Jefferson sweatshirt right now because it's so cold in the studio. Um. Anyway, so. Uh, This woman claims to be, have been contacted by somebody working for Berkman who tried to get her to make sexual allegations against Robert Mueller for money. Turns out this Lorraine Parsons person doesn't exist, which brings us to the whole double reverse thing. So, this would all be a bizarre exercise in in bad-mouthing Robert Mueller, but Jennifer Taub, who's an associate professor at Vermont Law School, received an email from a man using a Surefire Intelligence—that's a company name—email asking her to do essentially the same thing: make allegations against Robert Mueller of the sexual nature uh, in return for tens of thousands of dollars. And so, and, and Surefire Intelligence is allegedly a former Mossad agent, the Israeli intelligence. Uh, people, former Mossad agent, run intelligence service and background checker, and 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 player of dirty tricks and the rest of it. Except that the number listed for Surefire Intelligence actually goes to the answering machine of the mother of a guy named Jacob Wall, who's a fairly notorious fellow. Um. He, I think he did time for he got arrested for securities fraud before he was 20 years old. And he, he's a spreader of, 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 of conspiracy theories and scandals and the rest of it online. Um, And so the way this would seem is that this guy is sincerely or faking women trying to get them to make allegations against Robert Mueller. But it's not clear to me whether he has the money to pay them if they did it. Plus the whole Lorraine what's-her-name thing. She doesn't exist. And she contacted a bunch of media outlets saying, Hey, somebody's trying to bribe me to badmouth Robert Mueller. So is this a double reverse or a triple reverse? It is completely unclear to me. But I suggest that if you hear anything about sexual uh, harassment allegations against Robert Mueller, you take it with a a shaker full of salt. Because it is... um, I don't know. It's bizarre. I have no idea what's going on. Michael, transition music, please. Thank you. The so-called caravan continues to near the border. According to some sources, it's smaller than it was. And uh, people are peeling off of it every day because it's taking them many months to get to America and turns out to be dangerous and they're hungry a lot, which, you know, you'd think you'd, you'd realize in advance. but And or they're saying to hell with it and buying a bus ticket and they'll be here in two days. Uh, but it continues to be a big subject as we get closer to the election. Uh, no big news on that right now. <clears throat> Your Halloween-themed occupations list... Creepy jobs. What do they pay? Of course, you have to adjust this for where you live. If you live in rural Arkansas, I'd say uh, multiply this by .6. If you live in Seattle or the Bay Area or or San Diego, multiply it by 1.4. A butcher makes about 31 grand. Job description. A person who slaughters animal and prepares meats. Yeah, we know what a butcher is. Cemetery manager oversees the maintenance and administration of burial grounds and graveyards. About 45,000 bucks, 46,000 bucks. All you need is high school education for that. Coroners only make about 50 grand. All the education you need is a high school education. I thought you had to be a doctor to be a coroner. I guess you're an investigator and you have doctors who work for you. But then you'd be making a lot less than the doctors. But you're telling them what to do? i don't know much about that i toured a morgue once have i ever told you about that no county morgue it's really interesting um it i i was not as freaked out as i thought i'd be did you i actually almost i almost no i was a thing i was i did a program with the fbi fbi citizens academy um and I was much more freaked out about whether I'd be freaked out. I had a huge anxiety attack, fearing I would have anxiety with the dead people and I would pass out. And I almost passed out, fearing passing out. Once I was there with the dead folks, I just thought, well, that's that's a damn shame or that's interesting. or, um, But it was uh, the headline. And I've told you this before. Uh, one of the people with me asked, who's your typical customer? And the, uh, the lady um, who worked there answered without hesitation. Uh, middle-aged male alcoholic. If you're going to die, that's a good way to do it: drink yourself to death in your middle age. Um, it was, uh, boy, we're out of time. I hate, I because I don't want to be flip about this because it was a it was a heavy experience. It it reminded you of, you know, the, you got a you got a ticket, but you only get to go around the ride once. And there, were, there. Were, children in there, too. Um, It was interesting. I absolutely decided doing autopsies was something I would not do for a living. We actually passed by that, and I about heaved. That was for real. That was not fearing heaving. That was wanting to upchuck. Anyway, what a cheery note to end the hour. It's the Armstrong and Getty Show.